Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Mark Selby, a nickel market commentator and also CEO of Canada Nickel Corp. We follow up from last week's conversation where Elon Musk quarterly sent some ripples through the market. We discuss those and the impact uh, since then. Uh, we also look at the supply into the market by Indonesia and the Philippines and talk around what is happening there and the dynamic between China. We also analyze uh, a nickel analyst's forecast uh, and talk about our view and our take and whether or not we agree with some of the conclusions made there. Um, plus, Mark has a call to automotive manufacturer CEOs which says, give us more data. The market needs more data from you to be able to work out what the future of nickel looks like. So enjoy the podcast. Mark Selby, how are you? I'm excellent, sir. Good to hear I'm it. Seven days, seven days post EM in the the, uh, the nickel world. Yeah, so after Elon's big nickel announcement last week. Amazing, amazing, and nickel companies around the world and CEOs around the world dancing a jig of joy, for sure. But we're going to talk about that as part of our weekly nickel catch up today. So there's a lot we discussed last week, quite controversial topics. Just need to let you know, a lot of feedback, a lot of trolling a lot of clapping um but a lot of discussion which is the main thing for people to kind of maybe investigate a little bit more i'm sure we will over the coming weeks as well just sort of sure. drill down on a few of those things so uh well done for that um we're going to continue with a bit of em right yes the em <laughs> the em statement of last week elon musk uh, statement last week still ripples through the market price yet again up yes what's going on once again wrong <laughs> The, uh, yeah, you know, again, you know, nickel prices basically move 5% off the back of Elon Musk's comment. And again, I, I know he said miners make more nickel now, but I don't think he was thinking about needing to buy more next week. Um, but again, it's just, um, you know, with sentiment, fundamental, technical, um, you know, sentiment or momentum, you know, that, uh, that definitely falls in the momentum category. Uh, again, I'd love to say the fundamentals, you know, are supporting that, you know, sort of that move higher. But, but again, not really seeing too much, you know, in the way that would sort of, you know, cause that 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 price level at this point to be sustained. So again, unless there's more, you know, more momentum comments um, come out, then I think we'll see it, you know, drift a little bit lower, um, back towards that six dollar uh, amount. Uh, again, the, the one thing that is sort of underlined is, you know, uh, Philippines ore imports, you know, were decent, but uh, we're not seeing, you know, what we need to see between now and next October is a steady rise in ore inventories in China because ore imports go away every winter um, when Philippines hits the rainy season. So if there isn't a bunch more uh, ore on the ground, then, you know, producers may struggle for uh, finding supply, you know, and, and that, you know, the corollary to that is, you know, there's one of the analysts picking up on the fact that, you know, Chinese stainless, stainless steel imports, uh, you know, have been up, um, um, you know, um, year over year to some extent. So whether that's a little hedging by a few people, I will see. But again, no, no, no broad basis support that says that, you know, the prices should, should move much higher in the near term anyways. Right. OK. So one, I guess everyone needs an Elon in their life. Uh, it probably, yeah. probably helps. But it's not it's not sustainable because the fundamentals, technicals don't back it up. And it's not. But it's nice to have the sentiment. 
now. And also nice to get the attention because yeah. gold has been, and silver, have been taking all of the attention. So, you know, nickel's got had a few days in the sun um, for sure. I think some people have done quite well off the back of it. Yeah, no, I think the, you know, yeah, I mean, our stock has moved up, uh, you know, nearly 2x uh, since that call, um, you know, which has been tremendous. Um, and but I think more broadly, you know, I think you hit on a good point. I think if you if you're a gold or silver mining CEO these days, you know, there is, you know, huge amounts of capital now flowing into that sector. And again, sort of flowing down the hierarchy of companies, you know, and they are now getting to early stage exploration uh, in copper. That's now started to happen again since our, you know, our, our call back in mid-May. Um, you know, you've seen the high torque copper stocks have actually <laughs> outperformed most of the gold stocks that people have been pretty, pretty fired up about. And again, that's why it's important to get those around those turning points, get yourself positioned. Um, but, you know, you, you have seen copper stocks move and you've seen some copper, again, trickle down a level or two. Um, you know, they haven't gotten widely down to the expiration stage, but that's that's happening in copper. I, again, nickel, um, you know, in Australia, Centaurus and some others have, have, have raised a decent amount of money. Um, but in, in North America, the sort of the, the TSX type nickel stocks, uh, and again, the rest of the base metals still really haven't participated in 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 um, in any in seeing any material capital at this point. So again, having this Elon Musk comment sort of now sort of fixates uh, helps get uh, investors focused on uh, the opportunity in nickel. It certainly does a bit. Let's let's go back over some of the ground we've covered in the past few weeks as well, if we may, sure. because obviously Chinese uh, the Chinese are reflating. I think yeah. uh, for a start, Indonesia has shut up shop, or closed closed doors, um, obviously, and then we're relying on the Philippines to kind of make up the difference. So, what are you yeah. seeing happening there? You know, is Philippines going to be able to make up the difference? Yeah. So again, on the on the demand side, the reflation trade, um, you know, continues continues to be very well supported. All of the you know all the data that I had talked about previously, you know, they're all still heading in the right direction. So in terms of uh, you know, broader um, commodity reflation, complements of China, that's, you know, definitely coming down the path. And, and you can see it, you know, particularly in the copper price, which is holding up towards uh, $3 a pound. Um, yeah, Philippines, is, as I said, you know, the, the key here for uh, supply is how much ore is going to come out of the Philippines. Um, there was an announcement that uh, the, there was a bunch of mines that were shut down in 2017. The Philippines government, um, is is relaxing some of the restrictions on there the, again in 2017 it seemed like a sizable amount of ore again relative to sort of how far the market continues to grow um and, and the, the big gap that needs to be filled by indonesia it's not you know it's, it'll be a little bit more or uh, philippines ore is lower grade than than indonesian um but again you know it's it's not going to come anywhere close to filling the gap um you know that that's been created by indonesia so again you know it, that's it's indonesian npi growth versus Philippine or growth versus Chinese demand. You know, that's the triangle that's really going to determine where prices prices head over the next 12 months. And I mean, Philippines also, I mean, do they have kind of some seasonal outputs as well? Because obviously quite wet over there. I mean, is that, is that an impact factor we need to consider? Oh, most definitely. The, 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 the rainy seasons in Indonesia and the Philippines used to offset each other to some extent so that China had a had a relatively stable uh, supply of material all year round. But with Indonesia out of the picture, you know, as I said, you're going to have this November, December, Jan, Feb period where, you know, Philippines ore exports plunge. There's still one part of the country that's dry. Um, so they still produce ore from that, that region. But from the rest of the area, um, you see a, a massive drop off uh, in order supplies. And so, again, you know, 
or inventories need to increase. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, that's what the market is is going. It, it'll need to increase by several million tons between now and the start of October, if China's going to have sort of enough ore to really see it through that uh, that downturn in the Philippine season. And again, sometimes rainy seasons are shorter or longer than than the normal. So we'll have to see see you know see see what happens you know, at that point in time. Okay, a question for you. So there's um, quite a good newsletter writer in the marketplace, no names basis, like but but one of the better ones. He seems to say that Indonesia's got this covered. Nickel is covered till 2025, so it's, everything's A-OK. Do you agree? Uh, I agree with some of his underlying things, but I, I don't think I necessarily agree with the conclusion. Um, you know, he was writing in response to uh, Elon, um, and you know, the, the, you know, Elon said we need more now, you know, express concerns uh, with, again, environmentally friendly, environmental sensitive, and huge volumes, and you'll get a big contract. Um, you know, this analyst, you know, comment back, we're looking, you know, we see pretty strong, you know, supply growth out of out of Indonesia, which I do not disagree with. The kind of numbers that he was talking about, you know, are, are exactly in line with, you know, the kind of forecasts, you know, that are there. Again, I think there's a question mark around whether the pressure acid leach production will show up. And and I and I share that same same question mark. It's all it was supposed to already be in production by now. And a bunch of the projects have already been delayed by several years. So. We'll, you know, we'll see whether they get there. Um, that pressure acid leach has been troublesome for everybody around the world. So, you know, if 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 you know they they don't have any trouble, that that will actually be a surprise. Um, but yeah, I know you've seen this. You know, they've got a, a pretty big uh, increase in supply growth. But the, the fundamental issue, uh, you know, is you know he he he's, he has better and more aggressive demand forecast than a, a lot of analysts. But as, as I've said before, a lot of analysts have a tough time putting a number that's, you know, too far from sort of 2% sort of trend demand growth because they never want to be, you know, quote, too wrong. And the trouble with a metal like nickel is it's a very high growth. It grows at 5% versus 2%. And then because it's very volatile, it not only does, does it grow on average 5%, but there's years where it grows 8 to 10%. There's years it grows zero to minus two, which obviously we've been going through uh, right now. But you know, when it rebounds, it has always rebounded with you know, with pretty sizable year-over-year growth. And so, again, on a sort of peak-to-peak basis, you end up with this four to five percent trend demand growth. And, and and I think this is you know to the to the Elons and to all the other you know EV you know supply chain people, the auto people, you know, because again, there's been concerns expressed about nickel and, and and cobalt and other metals from time to time you know it would do the if you want material from the mining companies please provide some clarity in what your you know medium and long-term outlooks really are uh, I've been in have had discussions with a number of these companies and they have some pretty spectacular demand forecasts going forward which are much higher than a lot of analysts, you know, have in terms of, you know, how quickly and how much, you know, how much metal they're going to need. And so if you don't provide that to the market and then the analysts will use that into their demand forecasts, you know, if you're not going to get the metal you need because, um, you know, the, the, the analysts are, aren't going to have the demand growth that's there and they're going to say, oh, we're going to be balanced or surplus for many, many years. So, you know, I, I, this is a, a call out if there's anybody listening uh, on this. Yeah, please provide more 
long-term clarity. Again, don't have to be your individual forecast. Just talk about it as an industry. So you're not giving away any industrial secrets, but you know, please provide some clarity in terms of 2025 and 2030, what your range of, of, of production is going to be. And then the mining, mining industry will have a chance of actually delivering that metal for you. That is smart. That is smart. Um, I can see why, as you're also CEO of a, of, a, of a nickel company, I can see why not just nickel, but, but cobalt, lithium, and all the other parts that go into uh, this, e, this EV thematic that we've been talking about, all talking about, would be more easily able to raise money off the back of that right now. You've got long lead times. You're having difficulty raising the industry. is having difficulty raising capital to get into, uh, you know, advancing projects. So, yeah. you, your your feeling from what I'm hearing is the analysts don't have the data to be able to make informed uh, or do informed report writing, uh, and as a consequence, bankers aren't able to use that information uh, to be able to say, well, yeah, this is a sensible use of our um, our capital. Um, What's the likelihood of a automotive CEO re revealing what they're going to need in the short to medium short to medium term? Oh, there's no chance that they're going to re reveal their individual forecasts. Right. But I think if they can talk about, you know, sort of their view collectively in terms of, you know, really sort of, you know, at least some range of, of where, you know, electric vehicle demand is headed. Um, and, and again, you know, um, you know, it would be, you know, I think, you know, very, very helpful, um, you know, uh, on on that front uh, for sure. Okay, so let's, let's let's come back to some numbers then, if we may, because we we, we yeah. kind of were talking about Indonesia and went over to talk to the automotive manufacturers. Coming back to Indonesia, so what is coming out of Indonesia um, at the moment? Because you know, this analyst that we we're talking about referring to talked about you know twenty twenty five, but it's it's you know what's also happening in twenty twenty or twenty thirty. For instance, yeah. So, so yeah. The update was really focused on 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 out that next five years. So, um, you know, you've got production growing by you know sort of eight or nine hundred thousand tons, which which again is is sort of you know in line there. It's going to be offset by you know a two or three hundred thousand ton in, in reduction in production from nickel pig iron in China because they don't have the ore that ore is being processed in Indonesia rather than being shipped to China. Um, yeah, and beyond that, I mean, again, you know, uh, I think. Everybody, you know, including him, it's 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 a bit of a it's an open question in terms of okay, you know, it, it, if EV demand comes in close to where it's going to be, you know, we you know we, we won't have enough, and we'll have to look at. And again, I've, as I always said, you know, lith, lit, uh, lithium iron phosphate is going to be a big part of the market. Um, it has to be. There's a market niche that makes sense for that. Um, and, and again, Elon in his call talked about that that there's really two. For in his mind, there's two streams. There's a lithium lithium iron phosphate stream and an, a nickel cobalt stream that will continue to advance um, in terms of the capabilities of that battery to to deliver deliver range. Um, and so, yeah, no, that's you know that's you know again, I think uh, the the other analysts who do cover and sort of make those long range forecasts again, they have very low demand forecasts for stainless steel. Um, which are much lower than trend, and so again, you know, those analysts don't necessarily have, um, uh, you know, the kind of, um, you know, overall demand growth that again, not only doesn't approach the four to five percent, including EVs, 
um, you know, it even falls short of that four to five percent uh, trend demand growth, which which is which is very frustrating from uh, my perspective. Okay, let's talk about ethical mining. Okay, yep. big big topic, very big topic. I think it's getting bigger. Last week you introduced this concept of net net zero, right? Yeah, something you've you yep. you know. Uh, you're trademarking and you've also registered as a, as a, a, a corporation. Um, I want to talk around, around not just that, but things like class one, class two, for instance. Should people yeah. now be paying more attention to things like class one, class two? Because it's been a debate. We've discussed yeah. it a few weeks ago. Um, can you just remind people what the debate is? Yeah, no. So the, the class one, class two is something that came up about uh, two to three years ago. That, that there's only certain types of nickel that can be used in batteries. If it doesn't come from this source or through this refinery, then it ultimately can't be used um, to, to make batteries. Uh, again, the, the, this analyst report I'm referring to is very, very well written. Um, you know, and again, there's a lot of things that we agree on uh, entirely. And so one is around you know, this class one, class two thing is just absolute, you know, I use a more, is, is, is not, uh, is is not is 100% wrong. Um, you can take there's sulfide ore, there's laterite limonite ore, there's laterite saprolite ore, and there are paths um, with the right cobalt price and nickel price and product price that each of those sources can end up in any one use. And the Chinese will make sure that there's more than enough processing capacity, as they've done in every other material, to transform whatever feed source they can into whatever end use end use source. Uh, is required um, by the market. So do not get caught up in, in sort of those class one, class two differentials. The other thing as well, you know, that it gets a lot of is the nickel sulfate quote premium, you know, and again, three years ago, when all of a sudden you had a new source of nickel sulfate supply and nickel sulfate is a very small portion of the nickel market, um, but you had this big new source from EVs, you had a short term bump where, you know, premiums went well up over $2,000 a ton. And so again, all of a sudden it became, oh, there's this massive sulfate premium that will exist now and forever. Uh, again, the reality is in cobalt, uh, cobalt sulfate trades at a discount to, to nickel metal. Um, and again, those come from, are produced from similar, often similar feedstocks. So, you know, that, you know, that's, you know, that's where cobalt has gotten to and, and that's where nickel is headed. So again, you, you won't see a sustainable, you know, premium. There will always be a little bit of one because there's some additional transportation, transformation costs to do it from a pure product into an end use product. But by and large, it should be zero, you know, or just either side of zero for most of its, um, most on any long, longer run average here going forward. Okay. Which kind of leads us on to things like um, the entire chain, you know, the supply yep. chain here, because you know before nickel gets to do its thing, before nickel, you know, mm -hmm. producers get to do its thing, there's um, iron ore is involved, right? We need to we need to get iron ore out of the ground, and um, you know, again, part of the discussion last week was around the footprint of doing that. Uh, so, you, yep. again, to, again, explain to people, you know, how this is all connected. What does that chain look like before it gets to nickel? Sure. So, you know, that the, 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 the key piece here and then what we're really trying to focus on, you know, with our net zero initiative is, again, car companies who are building EVs, you know, they're trying to solve a problem, which is, you know, carbon emissions for the planet. And so what they don't want to do is build a product that in the course of building that product and taking all the various components together, you know, end up creating 
you know, a, a, a big footprint, you know, that's going to take you uh, do six years to drive around the car, drive that EV around and not buy enough gasoline that you actually offset that footprint. They, they wanted to build as low a footprint uh, operate, you know, a lower footprint um, operation as, as possible. And, you know, the, the, the thing that this industry really needs to realize is, again, there's an entire generation of consumers that sees, you know, looks at CO2 emissions, you know, the same way, you know, we used to look at, at movies of, of industry in the 70s with, you know, bright orange colored liquid running out the back of a plant down into a stream and down into a lake and, you know, rivers used to catch on fire because there was so much pollution in there. You know, that's what a new generation sees with CO2 emissions is as, 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 as horrific as that seemed to us. You know, there's an increasing number of people who look at CO2 emissions with that same uh, kind of horror. So we really do need to find ways to produce, um, you know, zero carbon uh, product. And that's, you know, we're in a fortunate position with our deposit and where it's located um, in Timmins that we can take a bunch of the existing technology, you know, and, and make that happen. But, you know, the same sort of discussions really need to, to start happening because if you really want to take, you know, sort of you know, take that, um, you know, one step further, you know, when you look at, you know, at the large mining companies, the bulk of the revenue comes from iron ore, thermal coal and met coal. Um, and, you know, almost, you know, you starting to think about that as, as, as sort of the, you know, the cigarette producers of, 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 of industry, because, you know, again, cigarette producers, it's like, oh, okay, well, we just make them, you know, if people choose to smoke them, they're just exercising the right to smoke them. And if that kills themselves and puts massive, massive costs um, incurred to the health system, those are all people just choosing to do that, you know, Again, all this iron ore and coal, a huge portion of it goes to China where it gets converted into steel using traditional processes and, you know, creates a massive amount of CO2 emissions. It's, you know, I think, you know, our, you know, uh, industry needs to, you know, oh, well, I'm going to use a, you know, needs, needs to own its shit in terms of, you know, that's, you know, we have to think about, you know, really how it's used and start deploying capital and start thinking about our projects, not just to get to this intermediate point, but how do, do we deliver to industry a cleaner, greener product that, you know, the, the market really needs. And that's, you know, just coming back to nickel for a second, you know, again, in Indonesia, you know, th that's the, the bulk of that is more than, again, 100% of the growth um, that's coming in terms of supply. And so, uh, you know, I do not think, it, and it will displace, you know, some nickel that's currently being used that, that that could be much lower footprint than the 90 tons of CO2 per every ton of nickel that gets produced in Indonesia. Um, but again, there's a lot of other sources of nickel that either have a bunch of CO2, a bunch of SO2, or a bunch of deep sea tailings associated with them. So again, when Elon's talking about um, and, and making a point that nickel is his constraint is because, you know, I think they're struggling to find uh, environmentally clean nickel um, that they're quite happy to put in the bottom of the Tesla. So, you know, again, you know, just they just some more information from that that industry to help you know inform uh, investors in terms of what the opportunity is. I think would go a very long way to help them get the nickel that they want. Okay, so if the Teslas of this world, the Black Rocks of this world, the Fidelities of this world, are striving to find, in this case, clean nickel, it could be any commodity. Yeah to be socially responsible in every way across the entire length of the food chain. Yeah. That 
That's that's great, and and you know whatever you know, I think people, some people call them some snowflake millennials. They want this, but at the end of the day, if there's not enough nickel, we're going to have to come back to um, you know producing nickel the old-fashioned way, and as dirty as polluting as that may be, it needs must. So, what are you suggesting? A bifurcated market in terms of pricing here, or you know what what happens? Yeah, no, I think again, you know, I think. Um, to the extent that there, there will be insufficient supply of of clean green product, and the demand for that will you know will exceed that. Again, there's often times where you know people would like something, um, but they're really not willing to pay up for it. Um, again, we'll see. Uh, again, I think we don't need them to pay extra. You know, we'll this is you know our whole approach with Crawford and Canada Nickel. And net zero, you know, really shouldn't cost us anything extra because of the local advantages that we have. But, um, you know, again, I think if, if prices don't get to a point that they incent enough clean green production, then, you know, premiums will have to emerge to make that happen. So, uh, again, if you're, you know, if you're in the, in the chain, then you want to make sure you get that, those clean green sources of supply uh, sooner than later, so you don't, you know, you get access to it um, without having to pay up, pay the full premium for it. So, but what are the, what are the options available? I mean, do these companies um, buy carbon credits if they're producing dirt? We'll call it dirty nickel, uh, yep. old-fashioned way. Um, do they get taxed more by governments or by you know industry? You know, some some somehow pays for it. Um, I mean, what, what, are, what are the options available here? What do, you, what do you see this new world looking like? Because, if, you know, I, I do get the bit that Teslas will demand it. Millennials and whoever the new version of millennials is will demand it and more and more funds yeah. will demand it. But at the end of the day, when the rubber hits the road, if they're running out of nickel, they could care less, right? The, yeah, no, agreed. But I think the, you know, the carbon pricing mechanisms, you're seeing more and more jurisdictions really starting to talk about price car pricing carbon. And so, you know, when that happens and that really gets factored into, you know, the cost you know, Indonesia, the reason, you know, they're doing that in Indonesia is that's the cheaper way to, to uh, produce the material. So um, if, if that starts to somehow, you know, as it's make its way, you know, out of Indonesia and into the market and somewhere along, you know, the, whatever carbon is embedded in that product has to be sort of taxed or um, uh, penalized, then, you know, that will start to change uh, behaviors. And again, market mechanisms are generally always the best way to make adjustments rather than um, individual sort of regulation. And so um, I think um, the, the tricky part is, is, you know, again, you know, China is a huge market, you know, a, a, you know, for any, again, for anybody who thinks that, oh, stuff, China still depends on the rest of the world for exports. No, 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 no. I mean, it's a massive, massive internal market. And part of the reason they've been so, um, you know, been flexing their, their strength politically is because they, they can really much more afford to do that than they could say five years, 10 years ago or you know, 20 years ago. And so, um, you know, I, I think the, the thing might be, you know, some of the bifurcation that might happen is just more, okay, you know, uh, Chinese industry is, is 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 okay for the time being with that kind of carbon footprint, and the rest of the world, you know, um, might not be right. So, you know, that might be one of the sort of key key dividing points in terms of okay, well, 
that you know Chinese EV companies aren't going to get to sell their cars outside China um, because you know there's they, they won't be allowed or there won't be a market for it or they'll be taxed so heavily that they'll price them out of the market effectively. Well, well I think in the current environment of trade wars and tariffs going on, it's, it's probably very topical to discuss, maybe something we can pick up on another time. But are there any examples where, you know, bifurcated markets have actually worked? So I was struggling hmm. to think of one. <laughs> That's a good question. Maybe, you know what, I'll think about that over the, the, the mm. coming week and see if I come back with. No, because again, anytime any kind of bifurcation opens up is that you then end up with, um, you know, th that the gap for that um, um, product tends to get closed uh, over time, but uh, we'll give. Yeah, we'll come back to that. You know, I, I just, I just thought it's very interesting discussion. Yeah. You know, because it, it, that discussion will inevitably come up. It will, will come up. It's, we talked about it recently in the uranium space. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the you know the pro the pros and the cons and the fors and the against. Um, and of course, it it did come to be because I think most governments. I believe it's just too hard to monitor and control flow of the commodity. So, it, but right. you're right. That's it. That's that's one for for a future day. Um, so, general general mood at the moment is obviously very very positive. Um, the goes to nickel nickel price. You're going to take a slightly more sanguine approach to this, are you? I mean, what do you think is going to happen? You, is is this the week it's going to come back down? Uh, oh no, it, it won't come back down this week. I, you know, you'll just see through the, the remainder of the summer, and I think through till September that you know, again, I've been saying range bound for a while and haven't been right. But I, again, I the uh, you know the um, the fundamentals aren't in the near term. Fundamentals just aren't there in terms of really moving things higher. Uh, you know, again, I think where things will get interesting is you know when we get to October, um, we'll have to see what. Or you know, or inventories are like in, in in China, and you know how how quickly and how aggressively does the Philippine rainy season um, come into hold? And you know, are we and do we see stainless steel uh, production and consumption um, push higher in China um, uh, post post COVID? So, um, so as I said, range bound for now, and then let's check in in September and October again with range bound with the risk to the upside rather than the, the downside. Any inbound phone calls off off the back of uh, net zero from auto manufacturers? Uh, I I didn't have any additional calls, um, but I've had relationships with a number of the EV suppliers who would be looking for product at some point in time. So, um, you know, part of why we're creating the net zero metals is to be able to, uh, again, you know, a lot of the EV supply chain, um, you know, is quite happy to have access to long term offtake for for nickel and cobalt. They are also very keen to put processing plants between your mine and uh, the, the auto plant and be as sort of close to that uh, as possible. Um, because the one thing I will sort of emphasize and again, sort of drive home across the industry is, you know, the, you know, the, all the players that I've talked to, you know, the cheapest, best way to make this product is dissolve it, get it into the system, dissolve it once and keep it into um, uh, an end product that then goes to an auto industry. This sort of, you know, making, you know, self again, taking making sulfate out of nickel that's in solution takes a lot of energy to crystallize it all. And then the first step that happens when you take it to another plant is it gets dissolved again. So, um, you know, I think what you'll, it doesn't exist now, but what you're going to see, and I, and again, I know it's coming because that's the way that a lot of the key players in the industry are thinking is 
they want to build these these plants with intermediates coming in one end. Um, they'll they'll do more of the nickel upgrading and then do and produce a final you know battery product within um, um, or battery precursor within one single facility uh, you know going forward. So uh, you know the, and and having a net zero metal subsidiary which is separate from the mining operation um, you know really helps um, in in those types of discussions in terms of being able to bring them in um, to joint venture. Exciting times, Mark. Exciting times. Um, well, look, um, we'll catch you next week. I'm sure there's yeah. been more to talk about, but it, 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 there seems to be um, a new thematic in the market now. Um, you know, yourself and a few other players have, have you know, approached us and to talk, talk about you know, the, 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 perhaps the new way of processing nickel, so I'm, I'm coming. I'm kind of intrigued to sort of see if the industry as a whole reacts to what's you know being talked about in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, got a little kick up the backside from from Elon there, and also, you know, positively in terms of share price, etc. But also in terms of maybe a new, greener, more efficient way of producing nickel. And that, those are the two bits that, that you know, more nickel is great, but more cl- greener and more efficient. I think the industry is going to have to wake up to that demand. Yeah. And and again, my my call to the auto auto industry and the EV industry is share more data, you know, let analysts, you know, um, uh, make them make better forecast and you've got a better chance of getting your nickel. So thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.